Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great chat this week with Jeff Myers, the CEO of PostProcess, a US company that digitizes manual repetitive tasks so manufacturers in many industries can free up their time and work on more value-adding activities. We discussed the impact on sustainability, the market opportunity in front of them, and how they plan to seize it. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Jeff Myers, CEO of PostProcess. His company is the leader in automated post-printing solutions for additive manufacturing. Its solutions are used across aerospace, defense, automotive, consumer goods, dental, and the medical industries. Jeff has a track record of rapidly scaling technology businesses, first with Climate Corporation, a digital agricultural platform, and also Navtech, a digital map business. Welcome to the show, Jeff Myers. Hi, Stuart. Great to be here. So first off, you studied electrical engineering in college and excelled at maths. So how did your career path lead you from that to manufacturing? Well, I would say that I did study electrical engineering and I was pretty good at math uh, overall. So I've had two tours of duty in manufacturing. Started my career uh, after graduating from the University of Illinois at Honeywell Sensing and Control Division. Spent about a decade automating the factory floor, which at the time was called Industry 3.0, uh, using our photoelectric and proximity sensors on a wide variety of manufacturing equipment, and then shifted uh, to focus on software and turning analog processes into digital processes. Uh, you mentioned Navtech, where we digitize the road, mm -hmm. uh, as well as climate, where we digitize the farm. And then almost six years ago, I joined our founder, uh, Daniel Hutchinson, to digitize the third step of the additive manufacturing process. So I'm back in uh, to manufacturing and a really exciting segment of manufacturing uh, 3D printing. Well, let's talk about post-process. The, the idea there is that you eliminate redundant tasks for technicians so they can free up their time and work on more value-adding activities. Can you tell us a little bit about your clients and what problems they typically have? Sure. So at post-process, uh, in a nutshell, what we do, Stuart, is we turn 3D printed parts into finished goods uh, in a repeatable, a safe, and more sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And so as your manufacturing audience knows, 3D printing uh, and we call it additive manufacturing at post-process because we're just focused on the industrial segment. 3D printing has a bit of a consumer connotation. Uh, but in the industrial segment, additive manufacturing is touching every imaginable market. Uh, you've mentioned a few of them, automotive, aerospace, defense, medical, dental, consumer, education. So it's really amazing how ubiquitous uh, additive has become. And we're super fortunate as a relatively young company to be working with mostly Fortune 500 companies, predominantly in North America, as well as Europe. And so 90% of our hundreds of customers are recognizable uh, brand names from Bose to Henkel, uh, Raytheon, Medtronic, Google. But we also work with some newer companies. Uh, one example would be Print Parts, which is a really interesting startup in New York uh, 
which is a service bureau. So they print parts for uh, other companies and they really uh, had an explosive amount of growth in the early stages of the pandemic where they were printing nasal swabs. Mm. And they utilized uh, our automated resin removal solution to fill the uh, tremendous and immediate demand. And so a wide variety of customers across uh, a wide variety of markets. And we're typically solving four problems, consistency, throughput, uh, productivity, and safety. Right. And with all the current global supply chain issues, uh, I bet you're in demand right now. Yes, absolutely. It definitely has increased demand, uh, which uh, the demand was great prior to the pandemic. But with what's happened with the global supply chain uh, challenges and shipping in particular, uh, the need to take a look at things like onshoring and how to take more manual labor out of the process with the shortages in labor and put those uh, highly valued resources on higher value activity has definitely accelerated. So as horrific as the pandemic has been, it's actually been good for the additive market uh, and for our business overall. Yeah, everybody wants to streamline at the moment. So I can imagine you guys are uh, are very busy. Um, let's talk about uh, the process at Post Process. You use AI and machine learning to digitize uh, manual jobs so you can finish parts that were once made by hand. Uh, it seems like every tech business these days must have AI or machine learning in there somewhere. Um, is that your experience that these these uh, things are really taking off? Yeah, definitely growing. And so we often refer to what's happening today in manufacturing as industry 4.0 or the digitization of manufacturing. Uh, you know, industry 1.0 was the mechanization, 2.0 was electrification, 3.0, as I mentioned a minute ago, was the automation. And so a lot happening, uh, leveraging digitization at post-process, uh, we're turning an art uh, into a science. And mm. so digitizing that third step of the additive process. And when we think about additive manufacturing, the three major steps are design, print, and post-print. And the design step and the print step are fully digitized and fully connected. The post-print step has been a bit of an afterthought, but now with volumes growing and the need to have that end-to-end -end digital connectivity, there's high demand to have that third step automated uh, as well as connected. And there's uh, several driving forces. Uh, a couple of the most important is what we call first time right. So utilizing our software-driven solutions and the machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, intelligence components to minimize the amount of experimentation and breakage, which in some cases, uh, the breakage of 3D printed parts when doing the post printing could be as high as 50% because of the delicate medical models that can now be printed. Uh, the second area uh, that's a driving force is to leverage the power of computing to eliminate as much of the redundant tasks that humans are doing today and find mindless and treacherous. And as I just mentioned, allowing them to focus on higher value uh, activities. And I'll give you a couple quick examples of how we're putting this into practice. Uh, machine behavior uh, through extensive in-process measurements. We're getting to a point where we're able to measure and predict when a hardware component, such as a pump, which is used in many of our solutions, may be approaching its end of life. And we'll replace that pump before it causes downtime. A second area would be operator behavior. So being able to collect data about button pushes, settings, screen views, and turning that insight into actionable data where we can maximize the operator productivity. And then a third example would be recipe generation. Uh, so collecting data on how our particular part finishing recipe uh, coming from our software is performing 
and making real-time changes to further optimize the process, as well as expanding the number of recipes and new 3D printed materials and technologies uh, continue to come to market quite rapidly. And so the need to be able to automate that recipe generation process is another good example of how we're leveraging artificial intelligence. And your service is a scalable one, uh, and you're looking at international markets. So I wonder which regions have the biggest potential for you right now? And can you give us a sense of the size of the market opportunity? Sure. Yeah. So overall, uh, as everyone knows, manufacturing is over a $12 trillion market, one of the largest markets in the world. And if we look at the additive segment, it's estimated to be a $37 billion market in 2025. So a small percentage overall but still it's a substantial market at $37 billion. And so on average today, uh, leveraging the Wohler's report, which is the go-to report in the additive industry, the post-printing step is about a quarter of the overall cost of a 3D printed part. So if you take 25% of a $37 billion market, you have a TAM of about $9.6 billion. As we look at our growth, we anticipate and are forecasting that one in four customers will automate that third step of the process in the next four to five years. And so cutting that TAM of $9.6 billion down by 75%, we're still looking at a $2.4 billion served available market. Personally, I believe more than one in four customers will automate that process. So we'll probably be somewhere between a $2.4 to $4 billion total market. Wow. Plenty of opportunity there then. Yeah. So as I mentioned, overall, somewhere in the $2.4 billion to $4 billion category for automated post-printing. And then from a regional distribution perspective, the market splits about a third, a third, a third. So a third in the Americas, a third in uh, Europe, and a third in APAC. At post-process, we launched the company um, in North America, where we have the most number of solutions installed, but the European and UK markets are quickly catching up. And so as we move forward in 2022 and beyond, in fact, we're going to raise one more round of capital, our Series C round, so that we can establish the same leadership position that we have in the Americas and in Europe, in Asia Pacific. Uh, we do have two strong distribution partners, uh, one in Japan, uh, Ilias, and one in Australia called BV Products. But we see tremendous opportunity to move into Korea, Singapore, India, Taiwan, uh, in China in the coming years. And you're mainly focused on big companies or the enterprise market uh, across many different industries. Can you give us an idea of how these companies operated before post-process came along? Sure. So the vast majority were using manual labor or traditional tools. So a lot of grueling manual labor, uh, sanding parts or using picks to take supports off. And so one of the key areas where we've been able to remove a significant pain point is the productivity of the technicians and engineers working in the, in the additive manufacturing labs. And so we measure attended versus unattended technician time. And if you use one of the, for example, using a wet blaster for removing supports off of an FDM 3D printed parts, the attended versus unattended technician time is one-to-one. -one. Uh, for those that are familiar with taking supports off of an FDM part, the technician will put their hands in these OSHA-approved thick gloves. They'll be holding the 3D printed part and using a high-pressure nozzle to spray the supports off. Mm -hmm. And so laborious process and just kills productivity. Uh, utilizing our uh, what we call our uh, VVD technology, won't get into the details, uh, we've automated that process. And we're able to take about 80 to 95% 
of the uh, attended technician time out of the process. Uh, one specific example, a few months back, uh, Rob McArdle, who leads, uh, leads additive manufacturing at Toro, highlighted that he was able to reduce technician time uh, by 89% uh, once he implemented our automated solution. And he was able to take his technicians and put them on much higher value activities. And you mentioned international expansion uh, earlier. What are the particular aspects of those regions, Asia, Europe, that are very different to how you operate in the U.S.? Yeah, good question. The uh, North American market is heavily focused on uh, FDM, uh, polyjet, uh, resin, and through the core 3D printing technologies. In Europe, we see quite a bit more activity with powder technologies. And so SLS, uh, which is a technology that was developed by EOS 30 plus years ago, is much more prevalent, as well as MJF, which is an HP technology. And so that's one of the nuances between uh, the North American market as well as the European market. In Asia Pacific, we see all the different print technologies being used in all the different major markets. And so uh, we're, getting our, we're getting deeper and deeper uh, into the APAC market overall. Can't contrast the, uh, that market as well as we can contrast the European versus North American market because of our experience and because of the uh, size of our teams in each one of those two core markets. One other thing I would note is that the European market is ahead when it comes to sustainability. And so sustainability is a core driver in everything we do uh, at post-process. And so having a significant footprint in Europe has really been helpful to us to help drive sustainability uh, and safety. You know, there's certain markets in North America, certain states like California, that have a very uh, strong sustainability mandate. Uh, but being in Europe at an early stage of the company's evolution has really helped us ensure we're doing everything possible to meet today's sustainability requirements and be a leader on that front to ensure that the next generation of manufacturing technologies does less to harm the environment and more to ensure that it's a safe working environment for employees. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, climate is at the top of many CEOs' agenda right now. So what can the manufacturing industry do in general? And maybe you can expand on what post-process does specifically to have a bigger impact. Yeah. So I think one of the keys is ensuring that the right KPIs are in place to reduce the waste and also utilizing uh, data science technology as we've talked about, is a core part of Industry 4.0 to make processes more efficient. And one specific example for us at Post Process is that we focus on resin removal, as I mentioned. So technologies like uh, SLA that was invented by 3D Systems decades ago, or CLIP, which is a, a new carbon technology uh, that's growing very quickly. And IPA, isopropyl alcohol, is often used to remove the resin. A nasty chemical, very low flash point of approximately 12 degrees Celsius, and it generates a lot of waste. And so we focused to create an automated solution that's software driven, that has chemistry that's much safer. And so our chemistry has a flash point of over 90 degrees Celsius, which significantly reduces the risk of explosion and also much safer uh, for the operator. And then when it comes to waste, the longevity of our chemistry versus IPA is 6x. So we're able to reduce over 80% of the waste that's associated with using isopropyl alcohol 
for resin removal. So that's one example. Uh, there's many other examples of how we're focused on ensuring we're doing everything to make the additive process, and in particular, the post-printing step in the process, as sustainable as, as possible, as well as safe as possible for the operators that are involved in that step. Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. So let's talk a little bit uh, about the future. If you could pick only one metric for post-process to improve over time, what metric would have the greatest and most sustainable impact on the growth of your business? Yeah, hands down, employee engagement. And you often hear that it's all about the people. It absolutely is. And so having a team of folks with the right skills, with the relevant backgrounds, and uh, most importantly, that are great cultural fits and great collaborative team players is essential to deliver breakthrough technology and uh, exceptional customer satisfaction. And if you were to look at the business in, say, five years and, and it's grown maybe 10 times, what would that success have been down to? So, in fact, uh, our five-year plan calls for us growing 15x from where we'll okay. finish up uh, 2021. So we're in that rapid scale-up mode right. and a number of, of things contributing to that, uh, the need to automate that third step in the process. And a lot of 3D printers today are used for prototyping. But uh, since the pandemic, we've seen a tremendous interest in figuring out ways in which you can leverage additive manufacturing for production. And so utilizing today's manual labor or traditional tools that are not connected and not automated are just impossible to use in production environments. And so uh, we see the prototyping market continuing to grow quite quickly. Uh, customers of ours that were printing a couple hundred parts a week are now printing a couple thousand parts a week uh, for prototyping. And in some cases, even more than that, you know, 10,000 plus parts per week. And then production, we're working on uh, dozens of production applications. The output will be measured in a million parts printed per year per printer. And so when we think about what's critical to be able to scale the company to meet the demand in the market, Again, going back to the team, first and foremost, ensuring that we have aligned objectives and that we've created an environment for collaborative global teamwork. Secondly, is continuing to innovate. Uh, we're up to 69 uh, patents total. Nine are granted, 60 are in the process. And so IP protection is important. But what's more important is that we're listening to our customers. We're allowing our engineers and our research folks to be thinking out of the box to be figuring out what is the next major pain point that's going to occur in the industry and how can we solve that with our full stack solution of software, hardware, and chemistry. Um, two other things I'd mentioned, Stuart. One is ensuring that we're delivering exceptional customer satisfaction and that we're in constant contact with our customers to learn what's going well and what we need to improve. And then the fourth area I would say, which is a combination of building a great team delivering cutting edge innovation and having exceptionally satisfied customers is ensuring that we have good financial results so that we can make a profit that we can reinvest in the business to ensure that uh, it's a uh, continuous cycle. So pulling back a little bit then to look at manufacturing as a whole, um, apart from the things we've already talked about, what do you feel are the most pressing challenges the industry is facing today? 
I would say looking at it from my additive manufacturing lens, uh, where, where we spend every day at post-process, uh, supply chain challenges, which we've touched on briefly, uh, many people believe they're transitory. Uh, and I think many folks thought that there'd be light at the end of that tunnel. We're not seeing that uh, uh, with uh, most of our customers, nor at post-process. Lead times uh, continue to increase rather than decrease. Costs continue to increase. And so it was interesting uh, for me when I was coming back from a, a recent European trip. It was the first time I had been in Europe in a couple of years. So it was great to be back face-to-face with customers and some of our suppliers. Uh, we flew from Munich into New Jersey. And seeing the number of cargo ships waiting to get unloaded at the dock uh, there near Newark was just mind-boggling. And so additive is not going to solve all of our shipping challenges, but being able to send a digital file instantaneously anywhere in the world and then having a 3D printer and an automated post-process solution to print and finish that part very close to where that part is going to be used is one example of how additive manufacturing is going to alleviate uh, some of the supply chain issues. And then you know, the other area you know, continues to be sustainability. Right. And we need to ensure that, and we've touched on this already, but as we bring new processes to market, as industry 4.0 and digitization becomes a reality, uh, ensuring that we have the right KPIs in place to measure uh, what we're doing in terms of getting to a net zero uh, carbon output uh, is essential. And again, being in the European market, one of the production applications we've actually been working on for several several years now is with a consumer goods company. Can't get into a lot of detail under a very strict NDA, but it was interesting because as we were going through the requirements of what they were looking for, for a depowdering application uh, using SLS technology, every conversation started with, is this uh, more sustainable and is it safer for our employees? And so one of the things uh, our founder, Daniel Hutchinson, did coming up with the concept for this was he put a particle sensor uh, outside of our solution to ensure that if the particle count of the powder went above a certain level, it would shut the machine down and give a warning to the operator. Whereas today, that doesn't exist in gross right. powdering uh, overall. And so that sustainability and safety you know, must be at the top of all of our agendas uh, as we continue to pursue uh, the digitization of manufacturing. Also, I read an interesting stat when I was flying around Europe. It was a study done by Cap Gemini. I was shocked to learn that less than 6% of manufacturing processes today are fully digitized. Oh, wow. So we're really at the early stages of Industry 4.0. A long way to go. So obviously you're talking about some interesting new technology there that's going to shape our future. What else is on the horizon uh, and what are you most excited about? So I would say, uh, going back to that stat, that you know, uh, more than uh, 94 out of 100 companies have really not embraced digitization yet. So the opportunity is really fantastic. And uh, my last startup was Climate Corporation that I mentioned briefly. There we digitized the farm. And farmers for generations have been using the same processes. At Climate, we had developed a platform where we were able to ingest terabytes of data thousands of sources daily. And the data itself wasn't very valuable. But the analysis that we were able to do on that data provided us the opportunity to give insights and recommendations, uh, using the climate example, to farmers about ways to optimize their yield and increase sustainability. And they might apply nitrogen fertilizer 
a certain number of pounds per acre across their entire field. And we were able to say, you know, in this part of the field, based on the weather patterns, based on the soil type, you should apply more fertilizer over here. You maybe don't want to apply any fertilizer whatsoever because it's not really going to help increase your yield. So using that as a backdrop, we're seeing uh, many of our customers leveraging data analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and having that end-to-end connectivity to optimize manufacturing processes in the same way to make them more productive, to make them safer, and to make them more sustainable. Sounds like a, an interesting future. Um, so we'll end the show the same way we do each week by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. What could you not live without? I've listened to a number of your episodes. In fact, I, uh, I was going to go with what Greg Paulson from Zometry, a colleague in the additive manufacturing industry, talked about the coffee maker. But as I <laughs> thought about it, it's the airplane. And so in okay. my career, I've traveled over 5 million miles spending time with teams that, uh, that I've had located uh, uh, all over the globe, uh, along with channel partners and suppliers. So it would be impossible to do that by rail or boat or car. And while we've all adapted to the new normal of Zoom and, and video calls, uh, not being in person quite as often, nothing replaces being able to be in a customer's manufacturing operation and seeing the challenges they're dealing with uh, firsthand and being able to have that in-person communication. So uh, overall, I would say the airplane and uh, fly quite a bit on United Airlines was excited to hear that in, I believe it's 2026, they're going to bring the supersonic jet back uh, yeah. to Boom Supersonics. And the cool thing is Boom is claiming that they're going to have a net zero carbon footprint right out of the gate. And so being able to get around quicker without causing damage to the environment uh, is going to be uh, fantastic. And we'll make my next 5 million air miles a little quicker than the last 5 million. That's the dream, isn't it? Green flying. And a nice cup of coffee wouldn't go amiss uh, <laughs> on the flight as well. Uh, all it leaves me to do is say thanks to today's guest, Jeff Mize. Thanks very much, Stuart. Great to be on the show. Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time. Thank you.